You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. I sent an email out to about 75 of our church family. I didn't send it out to everybody, obviously. I'll try to get the rest of you at some point. But I asked for two words that you're feeling right now. I needed to capture the heart of what's going on in the congregation as a whole. It's hard to do, you know. Try to offer a word every Sunday that has a little something for everybody. It requires I lean solely on the Spirit. Sometimes I believe the Spirit wants us to listen to God's people in order to make sure that we aren't speaking to abstractions um, but yet are speaking in the particular and you know that that is a high value of mine and of ours as a leadership so I needed to hear from some of you ask for a couple of words and some reasons as to why some of us said we're feeling dread and helplessness unstable frustrated some of us said fatigued stressed some of us said overwhelmed feeling of drowning, fearful. Many of us said frustrated. Some of us said longing for more solitude. Many of us said fearful. Many of us said worn out. Some of us said heaviness. And some of the reasons, they were all over the place, which is understandable because we are a congregation of people from all over the place in life. One said, frustrated that every news outlet or person puts their own belief or slant on what is happening. Some said, I'm frustrated with not being able to see faces of people I come in contact with or merely pass on the sidewalk. Some said, overwhelmed, wishing that things were better for my children because they deserve more and better. Some of us said, feel like a failure due to my employment situation. Some of us said, heaviness and how hard this fight is for child, my child's health, the state of the world, and that nothing seems to break into our lives that is good. Some of us said, exhausted from people making enemies of each other. Some of us said, tired and scattered at the unrest of our country and the division. Our country clearly has issues and systemic racism runs deeply, but the looting and the rioting, the violence, it just can't be the solution. Some of us said, exhausted from all the hate, misunderstanding, blaming, fear, frustration. I'm exhausted seeing people that look like me end up being killed or hurt because they're being judged before they've had an opportunity to prove otherwise. I'm exhausted because I realize that what I do on a daily basis to make white neighbors around me more comfortable and not afraid is to ensure I'm not putting myself in a situation that may end up getting myself hurt or killed. Some of us said scared for our country on many levels, political polarization, racial issues, our health, and a lack of truthful, non-sensationalized news and extreme, uncompromising points of view. Some of us said, I think weary is exactly the right word. One of the things I've learned as we continue to grow as a congregation as diverse as ours is that we have to speak to all these things in a way that somehow tells the truth, yet also lifts our eyes and our ears above the pain and the hurt, the anger and rage, the fear and the anxiety. And obviously it's a process. It's a process that takes 
faithfulness, faithfulness in time, faithfulness from a leadership, but faithfulness from each one of us as a part of the family. And unfortunately, the healing and the processing of everything, everything we see and everything we feel, it isn't like an on-off switch. It's like a dimmer switch. We know that we didn't get here overnight. And we're not going to get out overnight. And the thing is, not all of us may be able to relate to the exact feeling that each one feels. One may say frustrated at this thing. Another may say frustrated. And what it may sound like they have in common is frustration. But the reasons for those frustrations may be so different that the level of that frustration may be very difficult to comprehend for each one of them. I mean, both of us may feel knocked down, but what knocked us down may be so different that the wounds that are inflicted upon us when we get back up just go on and on and on. Some of us come into the ring of life with strong knees and strong legs, and some of us come to the ring of life with weary knees and weary legs already. And COVID-19 knocks us down, and racial injustice knocks us down, and disagreements knock us down, and the enemy-making machine, as David Fitch says, knocks us down. Disagreement knocks us down, division, disappointment, relationships knock us down. We may be we each may be able to identify with being knocked down, but we may not be able to identify with what knocked us down. And I feel like sometimes that's the struggle, that's where the division is. We all hurt though, right? Like in some way, we're all sort of flailing between this hurt and this hope, this, this tiredness and weariness, and yet feeling that we can begin again, and then at the end of the day, feeling what we just don't have anymore. We all have our own version of these feelings. And I think the worst part is, is we lack a certain kind of empathy that just listens to the struggles of one another. We're quick to try to identify with another's feelings, which in and of itself may seem good, but it may not be wise. We're, we're quick to try to justify why another person's feelings isn't justified. And so we unfriend each other on Facebook, or we block each other, or we shut the conversation down because we ourselves are just tired and weary. And I'm reminded how in a family of faith, in the church, we are supposed to have a different response. The problem is we're tired and weary, many of us. And I think that's okay to be tired and weary. I think we should give ourselves permission to feel the feels, to have these emotions. You know, the Apostle Paul knew tired and weary. He knew, to, he knew actually what it was like to live in a divided world politically and religiously. I mean, you think about it. Paul had his own versions of all these feelings. Paul, who was a former terrorist who murdered Christians in the name of his religion, turned into a pastor and a tireless church planner. Paul was a Jew by birth and a Roman citizen by purchasing the citizenship, and he knew how to play, and at times, if you read Acts, had to play the political card so he could move forward in the cause of God. Like he knew how to play the political landscape in order to move the gospel forward. And yet Paul was beaten and bruised, called a traitor. He was hated, persecuted, had to sneak into cities and out of cities. 
He was, he lost dear friends. I mean, dear friends because of the gospel, because of truth. And even one point was shipwrecked. I mean, Paul knew tiredness and weariness. And he knew it in a world that was filled with unexplainable disease and epidemics of injustice and fear. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, But we have this treasure in clay pots so that the awesome power belongs to God and doesn't come from us. We are experiencing all kinds of trouble, but we aren't crushed. We are confused, but we aren't in despair. We are harassed, but we aren't abandoned. We are knocked down, but we aren't knocked out. We always carry Jesus' death around in our bodies so that Jesus' life can also be seen in our bodies. We who are alive are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life can also be seen in our bodies that are dying. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. We have the same faithful spirit as what was in, written in Scripture. I had faith, and so I spoke. We also have faith, and so we also speak. We do this because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus, and he will bring us into his presence along with you. All these things are for your benefit. As grace increases to benefit more and more people, it will cause gratitude to increase, which results in God's glory. So we do not give up. But even if our bodies are breaking down on the outside, the person that we are on the inside is being renewed every day. Our temporary minor problems are producing in us an eternal stockpile of glory for us that is beyond all comparison. We don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can't be seen. The things that can't be, can be seen don't last, but the things that can't be seen are eternal. I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for the honesty of this text. I mean, Paul doesn't say to the Corinthian Christians, hey, it's all good. He doesn't say, life is hard, but we'll get over it. Paul doesn't say, you know, things are tough, but we'll give it to Jesus. We're gonna pray on it and believe that it'll get better. Paul doesn't say any of that. Paul's keeping it real. I feel like what Paul is saying is we're tired. We're longing for something more. We're worn out. We're weary. And it's okay to say that we're these things. It's okay to say that I'm tired. It's okay to give voice to it. It doesn't matter if everyone else or anyone else is living their best life now, which is probably unlikely. Some of us are just tired. And it's okay to say that. Or in Paul's language, some of us are experiencing all kinds of trouble. Some of us feel confused. Some of us feel harassed. Some of us are knocked down. We can't get around these feelings. They're real. And some of these feelings are due to personal things. Some are due to societal things. Some are due to the choices we've made. Some are due to the choices others have made. Some are due to work. Some are due to home. Some are due to systemic injustice. And some are due to the discomfort of social unrest. And the hard part about what Paul is saying is that these feelings and these emotions, they can't be escaped. See, so look at verse 10, 11. We always carry Jesus' death around in our bodies so that Jesus' life can also be seen in our bodies. 
we who are alive are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life can also be seen in our bodies that are dying. It's like Paul is saying, look, as the reign of sin and death works in the world, sin and death is always going to creep into our lives. Whether it's through our own actions or the actions of others. And then Paul uses this imagery that I think is significant. He, he says that he himself and all of us are just clay pots. We're clay pots. We're not metal pots, right? Strong and firm. We're not, we're not steel pots, virtually indestructible. We're not silver or gold pots, always beautiful and shiny. Just need a little polish every now and then. No, no, no. We're clay pots. <laughs> we're a bit rough around the edges, a bit misshapen in certain places. We're sturdy but somewhat fragile. And given the right conditions, we'll crack but yet we somehow hold together. We're clay pots. I think that imagery is purposeful. It's because clay pots are actually strengthened by fire. Clay pots can handle fire. Clay pots, they handle up to 2,000 degrees of slow heat. Now, if it's quick heat, it'll crack. But if it's slow heat, it'll remain strong. One site that I researched, and yeah, I did a little research on clay pots, said that clay pots can handle just about anything you put them through except poor care. Wow, except poor care, like our lives. We can handle just about anything life puts our way unless we are poorly tending to our own lives. Beloved, how are you tending to your life right now? How are you tending to your physical health, your mental health? How are you tending to your faith? Like, are you resting? Are you stepping away from social media? Do you have rhythms with that? Are you, are you turning off your favorite news channel? Or at least not watching the political commentators that constantly echo in your head in agreement and perhaps dig in a little deeper through confirmation bias? Or, are you turning off the channels of political commentators that you disagree with to get your blood pressure rising? Are you just turning it off? Like how are you tending to your life? Are you exercising? I'm not, clearly. I can't get out of my pandemic pants and hoodies long enough. That's me. Are you reading? I know some of us don't particularly enjoy reading, but reading is good for our brains. Are you listening to music? Maybe something funny? Are you taking walks, breathing in fresh air, exploring new things? Are you at least working out time to do new things, right? Like, are you, what about, what are you, are you making time to, to just sit with others in prayer, God in prayer, or sit in biblical conversations? Tend to yourself, beloved. Clay pots can stand underneath the weight and heat of about anything except for poor care. So I wanted to offer a brief practice. It's really simple, but it's a rhythm maybe that you can embrace that moves us through good self-care and deals with the weariness and tiredness that we feel, the weight that we feel. Okay, I call it name it, lament it, tame it, present it. Right? Kind of kind of rhymes. Name it. Well, you've heard me say it a million times. We have to give ourselves permission to name whatever it is we feel. We name our emotions. 
or the emotions will name us. So we'll take on the identity of the emotion rather than letting the emotion be the emotion if we don't name it. So for tired, let's call it tired. Otherwise, tired will call you weak, and that's not the case. Otherwise, tired will call you unfaithful, and that is not the case. We name it. Because we cannot lament something we aren't willing to name. We can't tame something we won't name, and we surely can't present something to God we won't name. So I want to encourage you to name it. Many of you did when you sent me this email. Continue to name it. But as we name it, we lament it. You know, it's been said that the first language of the church to a broken world is not strategy, it's prayer. And not just prayer, it's lament. Emmanuel Katongale said, Lament is the cry of those who see the truth of the world's deep wounds. Lamenting gives voice to the pain and the suffering. Lamenting gives voice to the disappointment and the grief. And lamenting is not whining and complaining. Lamenting is utterly biblical. We even have a book named Lamentations. It's a biblical expression that intersects with the truth of gospel or the truth of faith and the brokenness of the world where we find ourselves in this kind of feeling of catastrophe where we need to cry out to God. That is lament. We can start finding our words and align our words with the emotions. We feel one emotion at a time. And we direct that to God. So we name it. We lament it. And as we lament it, and we find the meanings of our emotions, we find a deeper meaning to the words we use. We begin to understand our words like tired and weary. See, then we can tame it. What I mean by tame it is we can see the triggers that provoke the emotions. We can see what's influencing these emotions in negative ways and, and know the difference between what we can manage and what we can't manage, what's within our reach and beyond our reach. We can then put boundaries around certain things and turn certain channels off or disconnect from social media for a season or put a boundary around the relationship or not engage in that kind of conversation by way of text messaging. See, then we can tame it. We name it, we can lament it, we lament it, we can tame it, we can tame it, we can present it to God. We can entrust it to God. We can reach out to the promises he makes revealed to us in the scriptures. We can take time to read an entire gospel and read it slowly and, and imagine Jesus with us. We can set our eyes on the meaning of the cross and resurrection and remember that even in our most hopeless state, God is in the business of giving dead things life. Right? Like, like he, he takes up residence within me and you. We have his Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit meets us at the intersection of our emotions and our faith, inviting us to remember what we believe about God, ourselves, our world, and therefore any given situation. When we present it, it makes resilience possible. Resilience is about adapting to adversity. It's about bouncing back. Resilience is what happens when our emotions and faith intersect. It's what happens when the Spirit at work in us meets us in those intersections and invites us to remember the new possibilities that the blood-stained cross and empty tomb of Jesus have promised. 
Spirit meets us there. We remember scriptures like Galatians 5, 22-23 where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness and self-control. That the love we lack is actually within us. That the peace we lack is actually within us. That the joy we lack is actually within us. And these things are within us because the Spirit is within us. It's there. We don't have to find it anywhere else. It's there, beloved. We can remember that. We can then tend to our lives with self-care and in community. And the Spirit does work. Or we can remember Romans 8.26, where in the same way, Paul said, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses because we do not sometimes know how to pray as we ought to pray. So the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings that even when I can't pray, even when I don't know what to say to God, because the Spirit's within me, I can at least come to God and say, I'm here. Or it's like Ephesians 3 teaches us in Paul's prayer that the Spirit, you should read it, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21, the Spirit can do far above that which we could ask, think, or imagine. And see, I think that's what Paul wants us to see, that even as we name these things that we feel, there's still hope there. It's like he's saying, the presence of God's Spirit within you, there's another truth that exists within you and that exists even within every emotion. You may be experiencing all kinds of trouble, but you aren't crushed. You may be confused, but you aren't in despair. You have hope. You have the Spirit. You may be harassed, but you aren't abandoned. You may be knocked down, but you aren't knocked out. And I think that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.16 in that same text. So we don't give up. Even if our bodies are breaking down on the outside, the person that we are on the inside is being renewed every day. Our temporary minor problems are producing an eternal stockpile of glory for us that is beyond all comparison. Therefore, we don't focus. We may see it, but we don't focus. We may look at it, but we don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can't be seen. The things that can be seen don't last, but the things that can't be seen are eternal you think about that these things aren't gonna last what lasts is the kingdom of God of which you are a citizen the love of God of which has been secured for you and me the Holy Spirit of God within us and their own spirits who we really are will last these bodies won't this country won't COVID won't some point it'll all come to an end but we will remain the love of god will remain the love of one another will remain heaven's not an island community will remain we will remain let's live for what remains so we look at all the temporary things we see it we sift through it we sort it out we talk about it we wrestle with it we deal with it we don't focus on it. So we look at our emotions and the weight that we feel and we name it. And then we lament it. And then we tame it. Identify the triggers and sort it out and we present it. And we have to entrust it to the one who knows us best and loves us most. Who's given us the spirit to live the life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control that we are made to live. So many of the people I emailed who sent these words that I read at the beginning also sent words and phrases like this. 
I feel hopeful because they're beginning to be small, intimate, vulnerable, and raw conversations trying to listen and learn. My hope is in the Lord, another one of us said, and this grounded truth is what keeps me going. Another one of us said, grateful to know people who are trying to reach out and love to others and grateful for people who are wanting to do better and do more and grateful to have a chance here and there to try to do more and better, be better as well. One even said, what comes to mind when I even think of weariness is the scripture of Proverbs 30 verse 1. I am weary, God, but I can prevail. See, this scripture is significant, one of us said, because it acknowledges human feelings but also offers hope of victory. You may be tired and weary. I may be tired and weary. And that may be all we can say right now, but I hope that after this conversation, you might be able to find the breath to say, but because God's Spirit is within me and promises not to forget me, my inner being, who I really am from the inside out, not outside in, can be, will be, and is being renewed by God's Spirit day by day. And I will begin again. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.